What should we do? It's a question that hopefully you have asked at some point in your life, and hopefully you have also answered at some point in your life. Sometimes it's a question that you ask when you see how much work needs to be done, but it's not your space or your place or your project. And so out of respect and out of wanting to be helpful, you ask the question, what should we do? Maybe it's after Christmas dinner and you're at someone's house and there's all this food that needs to be put away and all these dishes that need to be cleared. And you look around and you roll up your sleeves and you say, what should we do? Maybe you and others are helping some friends move and you go into a room and you look around and you start to see the things that need to be boxed up and, and things that are ready to be taken out of the house and, and things that just need to be cleaned. And you ask them, what should we do? There are so many things like that in life. And then there are also the other times in life that you can't fully prepare for and you can never plan for. The times in life where you might find yourself at a complete loss for words. And you don't even know how to respond. You don't even know what to do next. And maybe you turn to someone who's been there before or in a similar situation, who maybe has some experience, some advice or wisdom that they can offer to you. And so you look to them and you ask the question, what should we do? Maybe that was the place that you find yourself right now, uh, especially after the horrific tragedy in Waukesha at the parade uh, just a couple weeks ago. As you shake your head just in shock and disbelief and your heart breaking for everyone hurting and so affected by all of that and you don't even know where to start. You don't even know what to do, how you can help. And you ask that question. What should we do? What should we do to help the people affected? What do we do so that this never happens again? Maybe you're facing a loss in life or um, a time like you've never experienced before and everything seems to be coming at you in sort of an overwhelming fashion and you got one decision to make after another and you don't know whether it's the right decision or not and you might need somebody to bounce things off of who can listen, who can offer some, some advice and you ask them the question, what should we do? There are so many times in our lives where we find ourselves asking that question. In our gospel for today, John the Baptist is, is one that, is, um, that we hear about from the very beginning of Luke's gospel. He was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, the relative of Mary, and he was not supposed to be 
Zechariah and Elizabeth were told that they would never have a child of their own, that it would be impossible. And then lo and behold, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, an angel announces the good news that they will have a child and that they are to name him John. And from the very beginning, his life is to point people to God, to point people back to God. And so as we meet John the Baptist out in the wilderness proclaiming that the Messiah, the one who has been promised, is coming, and all of us are to prepare for that arrival. John the Baptist doesn't do it in some small, quiet way, requesting of people, not wanting to inconvenience them. John the Baptist appears in this wild manner and with words that sounds rather harsh. They grab our attention. When you hear someone say, repent, repent, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And when you are called, you brood of poisonous snakes, chances are those are words that you don't soon forget. John the Baptist knows how often people go their own way, how throughout all of history people wander away from God because we think we know what's best. So often we try to know what's best for ourselves when we don't always have that figured out. And so often we start to turn inward on ourselves too and we fail to see everything that God puts in front of our eyes around us. And John knows that if we don't do some hard work ourselves inward, we're never going to be able to see anything that God gives to us when it comes. And so that's the hard work of repentance. And you, as you listen to the, the gospel that Kate read for us, you also probably notice that there are all these groups of people who are coming out to find John, to seek him out in the middle of the wilderness, and who listen to him preach all these crazy things, who listen to, to those words, you brood of vipers. And they don't leave. They stay with John. And they keep on listening. And you have to wonder why. But why do any of us come and listen to these words ourselves year after year after year? Maybe because there's something within us that so longs for what is not quite yet. There is something within us that so longs for what could be, that so longs for a better time when things aren't so hard, where pain isn't always so present, when it doesn't seem as if fighting is everywhere we turn, 
Maybe there's a part within all of us that longs to be close to God, even when we can't always figure out and remember how to do that, what it looks like, how to be able to draw close ourselves. You probably also noticed from our gospel passage today that as John the Baptist proclaims these words to all these various groups of people who come to hear about the one who is to come, they don't leave. Instead, they ask the question, what should we do? It's a really important question to ask. And I bet they ask the question because deep down they know all too well this world that we live in, of how it can turn us into our focusing our attention on all of the wrong things, on the things that are not most important, of how it can suck us along, of how fear can overwhelm us causing us to forget the faith that we have within us. Maybe deep down, they want so badly to be in covenant, to be in relationship with God, to be close, to feel God's love for them. But day in and day out, it becomes so hard to know what to do, how to do that with God, and how to stay close and connected, how to continue to follow God's ways when our humanness always wants us to do our own thing. This Advent season, wherever it is that you find yourself at these days, maybe it's a wilderness sort of place too, you might find yourself wondering where do you even begin? You might find yourself longing for that which is not quite yet. And you might find yourself so longing, not for God to be displeased with you, but for God to smile upon you. And yet you have no idea how to even begin, what to even do, and how to keep on doing that minute after minute day after day. Here's a few things. John the Baptist mentions a couple places to start. Look within. What are you holding on to? That's only taking up negative space and energy in your heart and in your mind. What's not bearing good fruit in your relationships, your behaviors or your words, your actions? What is it that you need to turn away from and stop doing so that you can do some of the things that God wants you to do instead? What is it that you need to ask God for forgiveness for? Who do you need to go to in your life and ask their forgiveness Second thing, look around you. Look around you. 
What do people need around you? What is it that you are able to provide in some way that helps them in the moment that they face right now? I heard a story one time of a woman who found out of a health situation right after she had gotten married, and it changed her world. It devastated her. She gave up. She became so depressed that she just couldn't even wrap her mind around how this was happening, why she had to go through this. And all of the treatments that doctors were trying to do, nothing was working. No medication that she was on was making any bit of difference. And she continued to struggle. And the pain was increasing day by day. Two years getting worse and worse. And finally, she was on so much pain medication that she decided to go into a hospital setting for eight days to, to just go into detox, just to start over and see what would happen. And she happened to call her neighbor up before she went into the hospital. And her neighbor was a, a woman who um, worked in a, uh, a healthcare clinic setting in California, and she had created this program that blended some aspects of Eastern medicine with our own Western medicine. And as this woman shared about how hard things have been, of how bad things are, and how nothing is going to help her, and how she's now going into this program, eight days, her neighbor said to her, you need to focus less on yourself. And the neighbor just went insane and said, what do you mean? I have so much pain. How do I not focus on myself and trying to find healing when all of this has happened to me at such a young age? And the neighbor said to her, that's just it. You are so focused on your own pain that you aren't able to see any gift that you have to share with anyone else around you. All you see is your pain. And it's not helping you live from day to day either. And sometimes healing comes to our spirits when we recognize what we have to offer, what we have to give to the world around us. Cause the woman to have a few things to think about while taking a break from all of the medication. And the neighbor had challenged her to spend 29 days giving one gift to a person each day and after doing so, to journal about it. And the woman thought she was insane, how there was no way possible that she could do that, especially being in a hospital. And the neighbor said, there's people in the hospital too. That experience changed her life. It didn't take away her diagnosis, but it changed her pain. It changed how she lived. It changed how she saw this life that we have. 
Third thing, adjust your expectations. There was once a, a young girl who had picked out an outfit that her mother was going to sew for her from material that they had picked out together at a, a fabric store. And as she was in second grade at the time, one fabric had um, pink and white hearts on it, and the, another fabric was light green and beautiful for a little girl. Well, that outfit never came to be. And it wasn't until years later, one Christmas Eve, as that girl, who was now in her college years, was gathered with her family, opening Christmas presents together, opened up a package and looked down to see the fabric that were supposed to be the outfits that she had so wanted her mom to make her when she was younger. But that had never come to be. And so her mother had found that fabric packed away and had made it into a quilt for her daughter that she'd be able to take back and have on her bed at college. But the thing of it is, is all that girl could see was the, the outfits that she had never gotten as a second grader. She couldn't see the gift of the quilt right in front of her eyes. Our expectations so often trip us up in life, and they prevent us from seeing the gift that is right in front of our eyes. When awaiting a promised Messiah, you might expect exactly what that's going to look like and then miss seeing a newborn child born in a manger. This Advent season, and really all the days of our life, may you keep asking the question, what should we do so that your hearts remain open to clearing the way for anything that doesn't serve you very well? May your hands always be ready to serve those around you. And may your eyes always read, be ready, waiting, watching, on the lookout for every opportunity to speak good news to someone else. Good news of the one who has come and will come, no matter how much we fail to do or how often we wander our own way. For the one never forgets us and wants nothing more than for us to know how loved we are. Amen.